Well, good morning. Happy Resurrection Day. It's uh, appropriate to name that today because this is what Paul is teaching in the city of Athens to those that uh, have gathered at Mars Hill. You've heard about Mars Hill. Now, this is the big speech at Mars Hill that we're going to be talking about today. But uh, I'm excited to have my, my friend Rick Stump with us this morning. I'm going to ask him to start his video. And there he is. What's up, Rick? Hey, can you hear me? I can hear you. It's good to be with everybody this morning. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great. You have any special plans this Memorial Day weekend? Every Memorial Day weekend, we go to um, our Jacqueline's family parents' house. They have a lake house down in, um, actually, they live there. It's down in the um, Sweetwater, Cordry, down Brown County. Yep. So we're going down to Brown County. So uh, yesterday, the kids went down to the cellar and got out like the all the swim tote with all the swim trunks and tried on their all their swim summer swim stuff. So it's kind of yeah. fun. So when do you head down there? Uh, we'll go down tomorrow morning. All right. And to stay, do we spend the night or come back? Sometimes the kids will go down on Sunday and spend the night, but this year we're just going tomorrow. We'll that's come a back. That's a lot to pack overnight, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always ask you, how many kids do you have? Uh, seven. Seven kids? Yep. Really? Yeah. What about you? Can you name them? I have two. I know them by name. In fact, they know they know me, and they hear, they hear my voice, and they follow me. I like this. I like where you're going. They you... knew, I knew them before they were born. or uh, I didn't know them. They knew me. They would... Uh, I would talk to Jacqueline's belly, so they... You, you've avoided my question. Can you name them all? Paul, Hank, Pete, Josephine, Faye, Moses, Corey. Nice. You did good. Do you know their birthdays? Yeah. You want to know them? <clears throat> Paul was born June 27th. Hank, February 5th. Peter, September 17th. Josephine, April 27th. Faye, uh, January 27th, Moses, uh, December 7th, Corey, December, Moses, December 8th, Corey, December 5th, 4th, Paul, help me out. <laughs> zero, then four, then eight. Yeah, you're right, you're right. So, yeah. Who's helping you? Paul was there, Paul's was there. Uh, Hi. They can't What's see up, you. Paul, nice job on uh, correcting your dad there. Yeah. All right, dude, I'm going to like uh, mute myself and uh, right. let's have at it. So what first, I'm going to play a, I'm going to play a song on the harmonica here. This is, you guys don't know, well, you might've heard this song before, but I wrote this years ago and uh, it's called uh, the gospel train. It's one of my favorite songs. I got in a real Bob Dylan phase a few years ago. Um, and uh, so I started learning to play the harmonica and stuff. This is a fun song. It's called the gospel train. You know, Jesus said, uh, I, will, uh, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Jesus meant, he'll do it. Um, we're along for the ride. We're just, we're just on the gospel train. Jesus is driving the train and um, it's going down the track. It has a final destination and the good news will be heard around the world. And uh, 
So that's what this song's about. It's called The Gospel Train. <clears throat> By the way, it's really hard to get out of bed and sing it like, I guess it's 10 in the morning. I don't really have an excuse anymore. All right, here goes. church and I heard about the truth how Jesus lived and died and rose again and when I turned six years old I gave the Lord my soul and I got my ticket on the gospel train and I've been riding on that train I've been riding on that train from town to town proclaiming liberty from the shores of Galilee till we reach the Crystal Sea, ain't nothing gonna stop that gospel train. Well, I can tell you this, it hasn't all been bliss, and we've had our share of trouble along the way. But with the sun against our back, we just keep laying down that track, even in the sunshine and the rain. Cause we are working on that train We're working on that train At the speed of God's amazing grace It just keeps chugging at that speed As we set the captive street And salvation's coming on the gospel train Yeah, come on sing and let me uh, open us up in prayer here father thank you for this morning god thank you for the beautiful uh weather outside the, the 
the opportunity you've given us all to meet together, to uh, assemble together, gather together, and worship you. And uh, Father, I pray for each person here this morning that you would fill them with your your presence, your spirit. Um, you've already done that, but may we feel your power and um, experience the power of your resurrection this morning in, in, in our mortal bodies. Father, uh, pray for uh, Rusty as he shares this morning and just for each person uh, gathering with us this morning that uh, you would uh, just meet with us here today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Hey, Matt Tolley. Let's sing this together. Worthy of every song. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. And holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes and wonder. And show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me i sing worthy of every song worthy of every song we could ever sing worthy of all the praise we could ever bring
Yeah. 
my heart and flesh cry out for you, the living God. Your spirit's water to my soul. Well, I've tasted and I've seen. Come once again to me. I will draw near to you. I will draw near to you. Better is one day in your courts, better is one day in your house, better is one day in your courts, with the thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts, better is one day in your house, better is one day in your courts, with thousands elsewhere, with thousands elsewhere. Nice job, dude. Hey, thanks. Uh, I was sitting here thinking, we never get to see your wife. I know. Well, you're not going to get to see her right now because she's laying out in the backyard. Well, I don't want to see that right now. But. Oh, not, not like that. No, not like that. She's sitting out in a lawn chair in the backyard. Oh, okay. Uh, that's awesome. But someday we'd like to meet Jacqueline. All right. I'll bring her on. You will? Yeah. All right. I don't know if we'll be on this. Man, if we're still on this by June, I have no idea. I know. This coronavirus has really outwarmed its worn out its welcome. No doubt about it, man. I'm glad you were able to hang out with us this morning. Yeah, I Good. saw that. Uh, did I play? I didn't play that song last month, did I? Which one? I don't. Don't ask me that. You have to. Ask okay. Me. All right. Um, I don't know if I shared this or not. So April 27th, Josephine's birthday, and uh, so we had we had a home birth. So we're at our house, and Jacqueline's like five in the morning, and Jacqueline. Uh-oh. Yeah, so I just, so she's just kind of upstairs laboring away, and I am, um, I went downstairs, grabbed my Bible, and start, and I just opened it randomly. So I opened it to Psalm 27, not even realizing it was April 27th. I start reading that Psalm, and it, it was, the Psalm is me, like, the whole thing is my life. Like, uh, he says, like, in that, he says, one thing I ask is that I could dwell on the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Um, he says things like, if my, uh, if everyone abandons me, you'll never, uh, you will never abandon me, even if my father and mother abandoned me. And that hit me so hard, having lost my mom at a young age, I'm like, man, God is there. Um, he has been with me. Um, talks about like, just, I hear you say, come up come talk to me and my spirit says here I come Lord like the whole thing was awesome and it says this at the end it says um uh but I am confident of this I will see the Lord's goodness while I am still in the land of the living wait patiently for the Lord be bold and courageous wait for the Lord and the reason that was so powerful to me that morning is uh Graham my brother yep. happened to be pregnant him him and his wife Randy happened to be pregnant um, and we, and they had the same due dates, like within a day apart. And what God taught me in that is 
you're going to, you know, yes, the life is hard. There's trials, there's struggles in life. People, people leave, people pass away. You go through, uh, you know, tough, difficult times. And I always just said, oh, well, you know, when I get to heaven, I'll see the Lord's goodness. So I'll be faithful in the Lord. But what God was teaching me in that passage is like, oh, no, Rick, you're not going to have to wait till you get to heaven to enjoy my goodness. And now you're going to see it while you're still here in the land of the living. <laughs> and that day, um, Josephine was born, our first daughter. And Graham and Randy, the next, in the middle of the night, the next morning had Fallon, their first girl. And this is after Graham's, tra you know, tragic accident and everything. And God healed him. So it's pretty cool. That's so, awesome. <clears throat> let's close in prayer this morning and then everyone can go. I'm just teasing. Wow. <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> you guys have a great day today and careful traveling and everything and hanging out. That's going to be a good time. Yep. And make sure you stay six feet apart. We will not. Are you, are you one of those that will just hug anybody at this point? Well, I, I, I like, um, I mean, if I'll hug, if they're attractive, I'll hug them. Um, I just, whenever I go out in public, I always have this on. Yeah. So it, it has protection in here. I mean, it's certified, but it's a, it's a certified Halloween PPE. So I'll just put this on. And honestly, I feel pretty confident in this, but I still, we still practice social distancing, yes. I should have muted you about two minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, you should have. <laughs> hey, you guys good? You need anything? Nope, we're great. All right, I love you, dude. All right, love you too. All right, see ya. See ya. I gotta get Rick off here. There you go. All right, Matt Tully. I'm going to see if you can actually uh, get on here this week. Come join me, Matt. There what's we are. Up? What's up, my brother? How are you, man? I'm groovy. How are you? Very good. Very good. This is not a mask. This is real. <laughs> thanks for, <laughs> thanks for uh, sharing that with us there. Yeah. How's your week? It was a great week. It, you know, it was, it was beautiful. Got out and enjoyed uh, sunshine and good having the kids home um rusty i would say it's been it, it just this has been the most i think distracting season of my life i'm sure i'm not alone in saying that and i think there's never been a more important time to really chase god's heart and understand our identity in christ and every friday the men's study our zoom uh this this friday actually al coslo came by and we hung out out and in person um, but everybody's just told bring a verse on Friday and just an encouraging verse and, and it is uh, trying to consume um, media data anything right now anything of the world is really not bringing much value to me it's not bringing any peace um, I think I, what I see it looks to me like it's very much of the wrong tree and um, I just think that it's a time that you know we set our minds on things above like scripture says and not things here on the earth because that's the only place we'll find peace. And this is a very challenging time, but right, it's what you teach every, every week and just, uh, pursuing that. And if we want hope for peace in our minds, I don't think we're gonna find it here around us. I think we'll find it if we set our minds on, uh, on who he is, 
what he's done and, and what him, him dwelling within us. Yeah, the, the tree, the other tree being the two trees. Yeah, that's the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which I, I you know, I, I, as you know, I bring that up a lot. The, uh, I think that uh, the world creates its own version of what's good and what's evil. And Christian, I'm guilty of it as well. I'll tell you what's good, I'll tell you what's evil. But I still don't find any peace there. As you consume data about, you know, this this you know virus or how it's been handled, or you know, and there's a, a range of opinions from people that I love and respect. I'm just not finding any any peace there. And even if I think that I uh, might be right, there's still no peace there. <laughs> so it just uh, that's the challenge of it is that you know I'm just in the wrong tree, <laughs> looking for answers in the wrong tree. <laughs> I just. And just now, as you were saying that, there was a hummingbird that came out here and uh, just right outside my door, and he's trying to go around my umbrella out there in the woods. And I'm like, it's the wrong tree, the flower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. That's the way God works. But uh, so uh, your week is like all the other weeks, it sounds like. Yeah, it's, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's financially tough. It's mentally distracting. It's... Um, it's a, it's a lot, you know, there's a lot, but, you know, I would tell you, I, I probably have thought more this morning about Miss Dawn and, and Dean Jude Finn. And um, I think of uh, their lives right now. And I think of the encouragement that they are to so many of us. And I'm grateful for them. And, uh, you know, obviously with Dawn, with her brother and, and just, you know, Danny is someone that I think there's a lot of uh, people at Levener. Uh, that just being themselves is just a great, great encouragement to, to those of us in the kingdom that they're just being them. You know, Danny DeSalvo is another one. He just does what he does. Ron Cox is someone's very quiet and he does, he encourages people just by being him. Yeah. So I just, I love that about that and, and how, um, you know, I, I think understanding our identity, we get to allow the spirit to flow through our unique different personalities. Some might talk too much like mine. Some might be quiet. Some might be introverted, extroverted. I mean, there's all different kinds of personalities, but when you understand their heart and you see them, um, and there's this great appreciation, and then you hurt for them too. Um, so I just been thinking for a amount about Don and, and Danny Jude this morning. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Danny uh, lost his job this week, and uh, so did Marla, where at uh, pinheads she didn't lose her job at pinheads they've been furloughed for a while but she had another job at a university here and so she's lost her job so uh, when you pray this morning you can add her to that list and then obviously matt uh it's memorial day weekend and i'm not i'm not too sure if we teach our kids you know what memorial day weekend is other than a three-day weekend and um it's a time for us to remember those who have served in the military and have given their lives. Rusty, you just lost audio for a second there. I did. Am I back? You you are back, but very light. Okay. There you go. You're you're good. I don't know where I where you left off. We don't teach our kids. Oh yeah, we don't teach our kids about Memorial Day, uh, 
weekend. It's just a three-day weekend, but to, to realize that men and women gave their lives uh, fighting in battle for our freedom so that we could sit here on Zoom today and talk about Jesus Christ it, it is a big deal. So uh, we'll remember those men and women this morning, too, as you pray. Absolutely. You know, and that I think of like JB or, or uh, even, you know, but Kirsten was born at Fort Benning down in Georgia. My father-in-law was, was in uh, Vietnam, and that's something we do not talk about. Um, Dave Altoff's dad fought in World War II. So when we got Lebanon folks that obviously there's a lot of military, you know, connections here. And, but you're right. That, that's for sure. This is a, a weekend that the very least we can do is, is thank them. Cool. I'll let you do that. All right, I'll pray. So, yeah. Heavenly Father, we want to just thank you for this beautiful, beautiful day. Um, and we hold up, hold up Dawn and the family and, and, and Jeff and, and um, just what, what the, they're all going through. We're just, we're grateful for the, the, the Pruitt ministry, how they positively impact so many of us here. So thank you for them, Lord. We just pray for, for peace for Jeff and for the rest of them in this season. Lord, I just want to say thank you for Danny Jude Finn and for Lisa. What a wonderful couple they are. Um, what a, a hard season that this is for them and uh, how he's uh, our, our local scone maker, encourager of the brethren. I uh, just hope that uh, Danny just finds peace, finds work, and uh, Lord, just look over him, protect him, and uh, just pay, pay just your best for he and, and, and Miss Lisa. Lord, hold up Danielle Tooley. Pray for continued recovery there. And uh, Lord, I just hope uh, Marla, our friend from uh, Pinheads, can find employment here soon and, and um, you bring her peace with that. Lord, I thank you for Jim David. I know the time that he puts into this. He's always going to be on guard. He can't be distracted. He always has to watch. So I just want to thank you for Jim and Therese and how they, uh, how they, they help. They've helped us so much in this season of us being locked down from um, being apart from each other. And we've relied on Jim. And so I just want to say thank you for him and, and, and uh, what you do through him. Lord, thank you for Rusty. Um, I know what it takes to put this together. I know it's not easy. He prepares, he puts a lot, a lot, a lot into it to understand you, to encourage us to chase you. So I just want to say thank you for, for Rusty. Lord, on behalf of all of us, I just want to say thank you for you, for your character, for your promises and uh, for your spirit, for your guidance. I just pray for clarity for each and every single one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, it's good to see you Chris, this week. Good seeing you, buddy. Yeah, hopefully we can catch up. Yeah, we uh, had to connect last Sunday, but uh, a little technical issue. So sounds like the sound's going in and out on everybody here this morning. So we'll just kind of bear with it and, and go with it. But you have plans today? Tennis. You're not going to tell me what they are? Tennis. I'm playing tennis. Oh, tennis. I thought you said yes. I'm like, no, yeah, no. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So big, big tennis match today. Really? Like, is it the uh, neighborhood thing? The, uh, you just, uh, I'm the, the worst of the group. These are just some younger guys that are good players. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the, uh, the anchor. So it's, it's fun getting out, slapping it around with them. How often do you play tennis? I try to play every day. It's, really? what, it's just what I do. Yeah. Well, we'll have to get back so out. I can't, I can't go into any, I can't go into any offices right now. You know, Marilyn Morgan, they don't even let, let me in. So 
That's all right. That's a good thing. Yeah. So we'll we'll get back on the pickleball court here soon. Yeah, or let's try to get to Top Golf too. Oh yeah, it's open. All right, very good. All right, brother. I love Thanks, you. Thanks, buddy. Love you, Rusty. All right. Have a good one. Okay. Bye bye. All right. Get him muted there. Well, good morning. Uh, I'm glad you're with us. Looks like we've got about 52 families with us here on uh, Zoom. I have no idea how many we have on YouTube, but we're picking up where we left off last week. We left off at the middle of Acts chapter 17, actually verse 12, when Paul and Silas had basically been run out of Thessalonica and ended up going to Berea and sitting down and having a discussion with the Bereans. And they took everything that Paul said and they compared it to the Old Testament. And people came to know the Lord because they were able to see how the Old Testament prophecies lined up with the good news that Paul was sharing about Jesus Christ coming here on earth as the Messiah being crucified, being buried, and being resurrected so that we might have life. And many of those in Berea became believers. Eventually, Timothy came to Berea and helped Silas in the ministry there. But now we pick up where we left off in Acts chapter 17, verse 13. And let me remind you the time of period that this was. This was around 51 A.D., so approximately 20 years after Jesus was crucified on the cross. And we're in verse 13, it says, But when the Jews from Thessalonica found out that the word of God had been proclaimed by Paul at Berea, they came there too, agitating and upsetting the crowds. This is the exact same thing that happened in Laodicea and uh, Lystra and, and different places like that. The people would cast Paul and Silas out of town, and then they would actually follow them to the next town and say, here's what they're doing. Verse 14, it says, then the brothers and sisters immediately sent Paul away to go to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed on there. So now Silas and Timothy stayed in Berea, and pretty much Paul went on to the coast. It says, in some of your translations, it will say to the sea. I don't know if you know this about the scripture, but the scripture, the letters that we actually have in the Bible, they come from manuscripts. We really don't have the original letter that Luke wrote here in Acts. We have copies of the letter that Luke wrote in Acts. And there, some of them are as uh, close as 100 years away from 51 AD, so approximately in 150 to 200 AD, these manuscripts have been found. There's been multiple manuscripts, and so when we get the different translations from the Bible, they're probably using the different transcripts, but the theologians have taken these transcripts and they've compared them so they're almost accurate to a T, yet there's some variations. Some think in one transcript that Paul said, Luke wrote that Paul went by sea is to distract those that were actually following and pursuing him when he may have literally gone by the coast. 
it says in verse 15, those who escorted Paul brought him as far as Athens. And after receiving instructions for Silas and Timothy to come to him as quickly as possible, they departed. All right, so let me show you real quick on a map. If we can look at those maps there, Jim. Uh, that is the whole missionary journey, the first and the second missionary journey that you're looking at there. And uh, zoom into the next one. It'll take us up into the Macedonia area. And you can see the last few weeks where we've been. We, in the far north, we've been to Philippi. We made it over to Thessalonica last week and to Berea. And now you can see the line. It actually went out into the Aegean Sea and actually followed the waterway inland and around to Athens. But he pretty much stayed on the coast, Athens being in Greece. Remember, Greece was once the empire that ruled because of Alexander the Great, and now the Roman Empire has come in and taken over. So you still have Greece, but the Romans are in charge here. So now look at verse 16. Verse 16 says this, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, that would be Silas and Timothy, he was deeply distressed when he saw the city was full of idols. Paul literally looked around when he arrived in Athens alone. And remember, Athens is the, is the cradle of Greek philosophy and democracy. It's a free Greek city with a population of no more than 50,000 peoples, and it's full of idols, pagan temples, so much that wherever Paul turned, wherever he looked, he saw statues and temples and shrines that just filled the horizon. And I'm sure it turned his stomach some. Verse 17 says, so he reasoned. We said last week that reason means we had a discussion. Paul wasn't in there preaching. He was having a discussion, asking questions, giving answers. He reasoned in the synagogue. That's the first place that he would always go when he came to a new city. And if there's a synagogue there, then obviously there's a group of Jews there. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with those who worship God, as well as in the marketplace every day with those who happen to be there. So get this, on the Sabbath, which was Saturday, Paul would spend his time in the synagogue with the Jews, reasoning with them and talking with them about God, the God. And then during the week, Sunday through Friday, he would go to the marketplace and he would, and he would talk to those and reason with them and do philosophy with them. Verse 18, it says this, some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also debated with him. Some says, what is this ignorant show-off trying to say? <laughs> That's awesome. What is this ignorant show-off trying to say? What makes Paul ignorant? Was it the fact that he was teaching them something that they had never heard of before? Or that they he didn't believe what they believed? Why was he a show-off? Because he spoke with eloquent words and he quoted their own poets? What was it specifically about Paul? But we had these Epicureans. The Epicureans were 
uh, materialist. They believe that everything came from atoms or particles of matter. There was no life beyond this. So when you died, <laughs> all human returned to the matter of death. And then the Epicureans, they also believe that the chief aim of their whole life is the pursuit of mental pleasure. It was all about philosophizing and thinking and processing. They also believe that pain and suffering and superstitions should be avoided. But it also mentioned there were Stoics there as well in the crowd. And the Stoics, they believed in many gods. They were pantheists, believing that the ultimate divine principle was to be found in all of nature, including human beings. They believe that human beings should be free from passion, so they suppress their affections and accept all things as the will of the gods. This was Paul's audience Sunday through Friday. It says in the scripture, others replied, he seems to be a preacher of foreign deities because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Verse 19, they took him and brought him to Areopagus, which is also known as Mars Hill. The Areopagus was a court and a hill due to the fact that a court traditionally met on that hill. You've heard about Mars Hill. In fact, the King James uses this version because hill means Eris, and Eris was the Greek god of war. The Roman equivalent god was Mars. Therefore, we get Mars Hill, which King James uses. This hill was located beneath the Acropolis, but above the Agora. Verse continues. He said, may we learn this new teaching you are presenting. The Stoics and the Epicureans were curious about what Paul was teaching. Not only were they curious, but they felt that because of what he was teaching, that he needed to be questioned. He needed to be questioned because people were beginning to listen to Paul and beginning to follow Paul, and they wanted to know what this was all about. Resurrection? They could not understand Paul's concept of resurrection at all. Obviously, the Epicureans didn't believe in any existence after death, and the Stoics believed that only the soul survived death. Verse 20, it says this, because what you say sounds strange to us, and we want to know what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners residing there spent their time on nothing else but telling or hearing something new. They enjoyed processing new thoughts, new ideas. And here it comes. This is the address that Paul gives at Mars Hill. This narrative that we're about to work through right here, think about it. He worked among the Gentiles for 18 months after this in Corinth and near Ephesus. But there's no example of the preaching like this right here that you see in those two books. The reason's pretty simple. It's already been given in Athens, and there's no reason to repeat what he's saying right here again. Verse 22, Paul stood in the middle of the Areopagus and said, 
People of Athens, I see that you are extremely religious in every respect. For as I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar on which was inscribed to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. <laughs> so they called Paul ignorant. And now Paul calls them ignorant. It's a discussion. They're philosophizing with each other. There is a play on the concept of ignorance. Think about it. To worship an unknown God is to admit one's ignorance. <laughs> they're literally, if they've made an idol to an unknown God, there's things that they don't know. Thus, being ignorant is what Paul was saying. Remember, this whole thing was based upon all the gods around them of Greek mythology and even Roman mythology. We can think of all those gods like Zeus and Poseidon and Apollo and Hermes and Athena and so forth. This is what the mentality that Paul is dealing with as he's tossing ideas out with them. Paul is now going to proclaim a God who was unknown to them. In fact, this God, totally unknown to them, was the only true divinity that exists. Verse 24, it says, The God who made the world and everything in it, he's the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by hands. You know, uh, once again, the timing of these verses uh, in the season that we're in of this pandemic, this pandemic that we're experiencing is literally turning the church building upside down. In fact, today is one of the first days that churches have been able to go back into their building. Uh, we don't have a building we have a bar that we go to and that bar doesn't open up according to the governor until June the 14th. And it's caused us to do church via zoom and the internet. But I hope that you see it as more than that and having discussions with so many people, it's pretty exciting to see Levener, the people doing church through the pandemic without a building, without having to do a Sunday morning service and that be the main thing of being the church. And literally, Paul's having the same discussion with them. You think that the God of all the earth lives in that building? I mean, even Solomon, who built the temple that God instructed him to build, said in 1 Kings Chapter 8, verse 27. But will God indeed live on earth? Even in heaven, the highest heaven cannot contain you, much less this temple I have built. Yeah, God was in the temple, and God was in the church. But then, if you listen to Keith this morning and his devotional that he does on Facebook, he talks about there being a divider. That divider was the cross the old covenant and the new covenant. And once 
Pentecost came and the Spirit came and lived inside of us, God surely cannot be contained by a church building. God surely cannot be contained in these buildings that Paul was talking about. God literally has made my body, my wife's body, your body, the temple that he now resides in. That's the beauty of the good news that Paul is trying to share with these people who don't even know God. Verse 25, it says this. Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. It was very common for Greek philosophy to, to view divinity as complete within itself, totally self-sufficient and totally without need. Paul's words were now resonating with the Greeks. They understood what he was saying because what he was saying was in contrast to what they actually believed. There is but one sovereign God. He says that. There's one sovereign God, and he's looking at all these temples and idols and everything else that are surrounding the horizon, and he's saying there's one sovereign God who is the creator of all. To know him, you're going to have to abandon all these other gods. Otherwise, he's going to remain to you the unknown God. Verse 26. He says, from one man, he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. The God whom Paul proclaimed was no local Jewish cult God. He was the one sovereign Lord of all humankind. Even the philosophers had to reason that all humanity came from one man, that being Adam. That all nations, they can see the Greeks, the Romans, the Jews, they can see it all. But it all came from one man. And there's one creator. And there's one God to them, the unknown God. Verse 27, he did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. This is the reason we know that Paul wrote Romans. Because you look in Romans chapter 1, and he says, how can you look at creation and not know that there's a God? Like, it's right near us, right here, right now. We, he says... We as humans were created to seek after God. It's not far from us. I'm literally looking outside my kitchen door and can see the work of God, the creator who created my backyard. He reveals himself in that way. But here's the great thing that Paul does right here to prove that he's not ignorant. Paul begins to quote many of the Greek poets, Epitomenides, for in him we live and move and have our being. Then he added a quotation from two other poets, Eratus and Clinthus, for we are also his offspring. Look, verse 28, it says this. 
for in him we live and move and have our being. There he's quoting these poets. As even some of your poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Paul's got their attention now because he's using their own poets. Verse 29, it says, since we are God's offspring then, we shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image fashioned by human art and imagination. <laughs> that statement right there led them to Paul's logical uh, conclusion here. God made us in his image. So it's foolish for us to make gods in our own image, which is what they've done. They have these images of Zeus and Apollos and Athena, and they've made them all in images of their own self. Greek religion was nothing but the manufacture of the worshiping of gods, which were patterned after men who acted like men. If humanity is like God, then God is not like gold or silver or any such material representation. Only the creature can express the true worship of the creator, not the creation of the creature, not something made of human design and skill. Verse 30, it says this. Oh, this is huge. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent because he has set a day when he is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. He has provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Boom. That's it. You are not ignorant anymore. You were ignorant because you worshiped the unknown God, and now I have just informed you of who that unknown God is. He is no longer unknown. The sovereign God is known to you. You have heard the good news. And now, what you must do? Listen to the testimony of those who actually watched Jesus be crucified, buried, raised again, and appeared to them. He literally appeared to them after his crucifixion. There's testimonies out there. It's proof. I mean, this is 20 years after it's happened. Those people are still alive. And if this is true, if this is true, judgment is coming and you must repent. You must repent. Well, what does that mean? Repent means to change your mind. That's what repentance is. You believe God leads you to repentance through his kindness. Did you get that? You believe first, and then it's God who leads you to repentance through his kindness. It's God who leads you to change your mind about what you formerly believed. Change your mind about all these gods and the dependence upon yourself to do things. This was the good news that Paul was teaching to the city of Athens. Verse 32. 
when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some began to ridicule him, obviously because they didn't believe it. But others said, we'd like to hear from you again about this. It was the whole doctrine of resurrection that most of the members of the council couldn't accept because they didn't believe in life after death. To a Greek, the body was only a prison. And the sooner the person left his body, the happier it would be. But you're saying this body was resurrected by Jesus. Why raise a dead body and live in it again? And why would God bother with the personal judgment of each man? These are questions that many wanted answers to. And so they continue to have discussions with Paul. This kind of teaching was definitely incompatible with Greek philosophy. Everything Paul was teaching them was in contrast to what they had grown up believing. Sound familiar? They believed in immortality, but not the resurrection. The resurrection is the key to the Apostles' Creed. Verse 33, it says this. So Paul left their presence. However, some people joined him and believed, including Dionysius, the Areopagite, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. All right. So from that verse, we can conclude there's three different responses to the message that Paul gave them. Obviously, some laughed and mocked and didn't take Paul's message seriously. That happens today. Others were interested, but they wanted to hear more. I, I like what you're saying, but I'm not sure that I'm totally there yet. And then it says a small group accepted what Paul preached, what Paul was teaching, that they believed in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the Savior, and they were saved, which led them to repentance of all that they believed before. Yeah, there was probably little fruit in Athens as compared to the other places that Paul traveled to. Only a, a handful of converts there in Athens. Some would think that it was a failure, but think about it. If one of the Arapagites, just one, there was a total of 30. If one came to know Jesus and it was a woman, it was important because she was going to be left there to be discipled and teach the others about this resurrection. So what do we draw from this passage in Acts chapter 17 of Paul teaching the intellects in Athens? I get it intellectualism is a tough deal to come to a savior. That's not saying that you can't be smart and know Jesus as your Lord and savior, but intellectualism will often lead you to your own abilities, your own thought, thought process, your own way of doing things. Rather than teaching you that there's a God out there who loves you, who sent his son to die for you. He was buried. He rose again. And now they sent the spirit to live inside of you. 
so this God can actually live your life for you. That's the good news. Oh, why is Leavener doing so well during a pandemic? It's because they've come to the conclusion that their life is better with God leading them and instructing them and in providing for them and doing things for them rather than doing it in their own strength, rather than being religious. Knowing God versus not knowing God. You see, Paul's message to Athens was very important. Father, I thank you for this morning, your word, and how you've expressed clearly through Paul and the manuscripts that we have that you truly are the creator, that you loved us enough to send your son Jesus to die for us, to forgive us of all our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that he be buried, that he raise again, and that you sent your spirit to live inside of us. And that you've given us this true adventure of knowing you, loving you, and pursuing you all the days of our lives. So, Father, I pray for my friends who are at home right now that you would just protect them, that you would guide them, that you would give them strength. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.